And this is what it says in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 26. In the days of Herod, the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah, and of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by law to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Let's pray. Jesus, this morning we ask that you speak through our friend and brother Matt, that you give to him the words that he needs to speak to us as a community, as a family. So Jesus, open our own hearts. Soften them up, Jesus, so that we can hear what you have to say, not simply what Matt has to say. Holy Spirit, would you come to us through the same act of grace that brought your Son? And may you do this, Jesus, for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks, Trev. Um, my name is Matt. I am one of the pastors here at Urban Grace. Um, and <clears throat> you can tell that Trev is the one that normally preaches because even his announcements go on and on. Um, but, you know, hey, it's to be expected, right? Um, so, yeah, this morning we're going to jump into this story of John the Baptist. Um, but you know, I'm sure by now that all of us have seen the, the trailer to the new Star Wars movie. Um, you know, because it, it's like the thing that you see. Like, I've been, I went to the mall this, uh, this weekend, and Star Wars stuff was just everywhere. So, but seeing the trailer is supposed to make us want to go see the movie. So if it's doing its job correctly, 
They give us just enough information to get us excited about, oh, this movie's going to be awesome, so I need to go see it. So if we've seen the trailer, we want to go see the movie. So we're talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, his job essentially was to give the people a trailer to a movie. He prepared the people for the coming of the Messiah. So he gave the people enough information to know that, that I need to repent because I'm a sinner. And, so, and then he stepped back so that when Jesus came, the people would, needed to be all about Jesus, not about John the Baptist. So it, essentially he was giving them a trailer to what was to come. So as we jump into the, the story uh, this morning, uh, we're going to do look at three different things. Uh, we're going to look at what was God's plan for John, what was God's plan for Zechariah and Elizabeth, which uh, John's parents, and then we're going to look at what was God's plan in history and how was God working uh, in the history. Uh, as we see here, uh, as we begin, we need to understand a few things about kind of where, where are we in the picture uh, in the Bible. This is, you know, we're in the New Testament now. Um, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. He was the last prophet that Israel had. And then there is a period of 400 years of silence where there is no prophet. And so for Israel, they're seeing this as a time of when, you know, where is God? What is God doing? God is silent. He is not active among the people. Uh, so, but what does Malachi tell them? In Malachi uh, chapter 4, uh, in verses 5 and 6, we see that he tells them, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of our fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So that was the last word that, that the people had from God uh, was that Elijah would come. So then when we get into this story too, we see that um, who is Zechariah? What what, why is Zechariah? What is the importance of Zechariah? Zechariah was a priest. Uh, we see that he was a priest from the division of Abijah. Yes, nice, nice, weird, weird words, right? To learn all the time. But what, what is a priest? What, why, why the priesthood? And, and what is the importance of the priest? A priest is one who represents the people before God and he offers sacrifices for the request of the forgiveness of sin. So the so priest would, was one who came, he was uh, selected to do the sacrifices and he would do the sacrifices for the people. So the priest, uh, we have to understand that the, the sacrifices that the priest gave were not complete sacrifice. Sin was not totally forgiven. So it had to be done every single day. The priest would come and he would give a sacrifice for the sin of the people. And so therefore the priests all prefigured the great priest who is Jesus, who would come 
and He would give a sacrifice Himself that would cover all sin once and for all. So, that, this is what we're seeing as we, we jump into the picture this, of this story. This is where we are. This is what is happening. This is what Israel knows and what they do. Uh, we also see that Zechariah, as a priest, there was many priests, so he was in the division of Abijah, which was, a, was like the eighth in a large number of divisions. And twice a year he would come, his division would be on call. They would, okay, I've got to go. So they would go to Jerusalem and they would go to the temple and for two weeks they would uh, do the sacrifices and do, um, perform the duties of the priest. But the, the giving of the sacrifices, the burning of the incense and the sacrifices in the temple was done by the drawing of a lot. And so it was something that every priest would look for towards as like, this is the pinnacle of my career as a priest. I have been chosen to burn the sacrifice before God. And so it's, it's really something that was done only once in a priest's entire lifetime uh, because of the number of the, of the amount of the priest that we have. So that is... Um, so for... For Zechariah, this is an important time because he is the one that is chosen to go and to give the sacrifice. We also see that Zechariah is married. He's married to Elizabeth. And uh, Luke points out that Elizabeth is from the priestly family of Aaron, uh, which is important because we see that God has you know, designed that John comes from a priestly line, even though he himself is not a priest. He is a prophet of God. Uh, so it's interesting the way we see that God is working. We also see that Elizabeth and Zechariah are both called righteous before God. Uh, so they walk blamelessly in the law of God. So it doesn't mean that they are without sin, but that the law that Moses gave the people, Elizabeth and Zechariah are following this law. And they do it blamelessly. And then lastly, from Zechariah and Elizabeth, we see that they are advanced in years, or uh, to say it in, in our language, they're, they're old folks, um, senior citizens. Um, and and they, they were beyond the age of bearing children, and that's important for us to see in the story, that, that that's what, how they viewed things. is like, we're old people, and we, we can't bear children anymore. So we're going to begin and we're going to jump in and we're going to look at what was um, John's uh, story. What was God's plan for John? And, and first and foremost, we see that John was named by God. Okay? It says in, in the passage, it says, um, if I can find it, um, of course I can't. Um, yeah, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And so God names him directly. And any time that we see in, in Scripture that God names somebody, we see that they play an important role in, in the story of God. 
Okay, so some examples of that would be Genesis chapter 16. We see that God named Ishmael. In Genesis 17, he names Isaac. In 1 Kings 13, he names Josiah. In Isaiah 7, we see the prophecy that he shall be named Emmanuel, speaking of Jesus. And then in Matthew and Luke, we see that the angel tells Mary and Joseph that his name shall be Jesus, which means God with us. So we see that, that all, those, all those people in Scripture and in the history of Israel, they were named by God and they played an important role in the story of God. Secondly, we see that John is told that, that he, you know, Zechariah tells him that he, he shall drink no wine or hard, uh, or hard liquor, basically. So no wine, no liquor. And we kind of like, well, what, why, why, why can't he drink? You know, everyone else did. Just so we know in the story, everyone else drank wine. Even the priest and the, and the righteous people drank wine and and hard, hard drinks. Okay, so God is telling him, no, he can't. He is not going to do this. This is looking back to the Nazarite vows uh, that we see like with Samson. Samson was told that he was not to drink strong wine. Uh, it's a little different though because we see no uh, connection with the cutting of your hair. It doesn't say that John couldn't cut his hair. So, but it was still saying that, that God is dedicating John to his service. And so it's, it's lifting him up and it's, it's, it's above something different. So the people would see that John is different because, oh, you know, here's a man and, he, and he's not drinking. So the Israelites would have understood the Nazarite vows. And so they're seeing, okay, this is what John is doing. This is who John is and who he is going to be. Uh, and then I think more important than that, than that special dedication is the, that we see that John is empowered by the Holy Spirit. But that this empowerment of the Holy Spirit is actually an intensification of the Spirit's presence in the Old Testament prophets. So in the Old Testament the prophets were always filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and did they would perform miracles and do different things through the power of the Holy Spirit. But now we see that John is going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit even from the womb of his mother, it says. And so, even, this is pointing back to these times of for Israel. They're seeing this as, wow, this is, God is going to be involved with us again. The Spirit is going to be active and alive. And so they are seeing this as an understanding of God is going to re-engage with us. But it's also, it, it's pointing actually to God is escalating His work among the people. And He is issuing in a new era. And so it is John that He is going to use. John is going to be the prophet that God calls so that He calls, because so, people were waiting for Elijah who was a prophet. John comes and is the prophet who goes in the power of Elijah, being empowered by the Holy Spirit to tell the people you need to repent and you need to turn back to God. 
and that God is indeed going to restore the promise that He has made to you. So, because people remembered that God had always promised that, that you are my people and through you I will bless the nations and the world. So that's what they're looking for. And so now John is issuing in this new era. And when Luke speaks of turning the hearts of the parents to their children, Luke is indicating that reconciliation with God will lead to reconciliation elsewhere. So it's not just me and God, it's me and other people that, that reconciliation comes about. And so John will make ready a people who are prepared for the Lord. So John is reminding the people that they are God's chosen people and if they return to Him, they will share in God's promise to them. So that is, that's what John, that's God's plan with John. Now, what about God's plan with Zechariah and Elizabeth? <clears throat> Here we need to understand that this gives us another picture of God working directly in the lives of two individuals. Okay, because a lot of times I think we see that, you know, and we tend to tend to think that God is, you know, He's out there and He's working in the world, but he, He's not really concerned with me and my life as an individual, or if we're married as a couple, that God is involved in what is going on in our lives. And He is deeply concerned with me as an individual, as well as us as the church. And so we see that as He, God is now, He is intentionally coming and He is intentionally speaking to Zechariah through the, through the angel Gabriel. And He is showing Zechariah that Yes, I care about you and what is going on in the world. So we're told that they're both righteous people. And, and so when it comes to this idea of Elizabeth being barren, we cannot see this as something that, that is a sin that perhaps Zechariah or Elizabeth have committed. And so because during this time is in, in Israel, in that culture the people would have seen that as, well, you must have done something wrong. And so God is, is punishing you so that you can't have children because you did something wrong. But we can't see it as that. Okay, so we, we have to understand that even though there are righteous people before God, because it tells us that they are righteous, even righteous people have disappointments in life. Okay, so it's not... It's not their sin, it's just that that's the reality of life. We're going to have disappointments. They did too. Because if you think about it, they must have prayed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times over their life that God, would you give us a child? Because in that society, having a child was a big deal. And especially having a son. Because then your family name was continued. And as a woman, your, your kind of status in the culture was, well, how many children do you have? And so for Elizabeth, she had no children, and so she was kind of scorned and shunned by those around her. And so it was a very heavy burden that they would have had. 
But since they were advancing years, we, we kind of have to see that this was probably something that, you know, th they didn't even consider anymore. It was kind of out of their minds, so they didn't really pray for it anymore. So when Zechariah is told that his, his prayer is answered by the angel, because the angel comes and said, your prayer has been answered. Zechariah's prayer as a priest going in to burn the, the, the incense before the Lord would have been for the nation of Israel that, and for the people. Come and forgive their sins, Lord. Come and send your Messiah. So it wouldn't have been for himself and for his desire to have a child. So when we see that the angel is telling him, your, your prayer is answered, God is telling him that, look, I'm concerned about the nation because I'm going to send my Messiah. And oh, by the way, I'm concerned about you too because I'm going to give you a child and that child is going to herald in the Messiah. So, so it's, a, it's kind of a double whammy that God is is entering into this story and, he, and he's getting intimate with Zechariah and with Elizabeth and telling them that this is what I'm going to do. And we also see that you, as righteous people, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they respond differently to God. Okay, we see that Zechariah, what does he do? He, he asks the angel for a sign. Because how can this be? You know, we're old. So he has doubts. He he kind of he pretty much doubts what what the angel says. That you know how can this be? When we're old, my you know I'm old. My wife is old. She's beyond childbearing years. How in the world could we have a child? So then he you know so we have to see that even he's a righteous man before God, and as a priest he would have had tons of knowledge about God. He would have read the Scriptures over and over. Probably had a lot of them memorized. So he knew who God was and how God worked. Yet at the same time, he still doubted what God was telling him. And then he requests a sign from the angel because he wants to be assured that this promise is actually true. And so what kind of sign does the angel give him? You know, because we kind of look at like, well, he's asking for a sign, so wh where's the sign? Well, the sign is that all of a sudden now, Zechariah, you're not going to be able to talk anymore. Because, oh, by the way, I'm Gabriel and I stand before God. And I was sent to tell you this personally from God. And so now you're going to be, be quiet. And so, he, what, what is this cause for Zechariah? It causes Zechariah to have to sit and be quiet and place his trust in God saying, and just listen and watch and see how God is going to bring this about. Because he said, I promise this and I'm going to do it. And so Zechariah, now, now he has to wait and watch. Because, and he can't say anything. And some of the scholars even believe that this muteness was a muteness and a deafness. And so he was cut off from those senses. 
And so now he is just having to sit and watch and wait to see what God is going to do. And then on the other hand, we have Elizabeth. And at the, at the end of the, the passage there, we see that Elizabeth, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. So Elizabeth, how does she respond to God? She's one that she's a righteous person who has taken her burden to God. God, And then when God takes the burden away, she rejoices in the promise that God has given to her. And we have to understand that God giving her this child is an act of grace because God did not owe her anything. But yet, He still gave her a child. So it's an act of grace. And her being able to respond not as a victim, but yet as one who has accepted her fate. Because it seems to be that that's the, that's the case. Is that she has gone on living and has gone on following God and being righteous despite the fact that she is barren. And so this shows us that she is able to respond with rejoicing because she understands herself to be the object of God's personal concern. So we see that she does it differently than, than Zechariah. But what does this have to do with us? What it, you know, how does John, God's story, you know, his plan with John and then his plan with Zechariah and Elizabeth, how does it impact us? Well, first, like I've said, it reminds us that God is dealing with real people who have real problems just like you and me. Because I think a lot of us are like Zechariah and Elizabeth. We have desires and dreams that we would like to see fulfilled. Many of us even want to walk as faithful disciples, loving Jesus and loving others. Just like Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous before God. And more than likely, all of us have something we have been praying for for years, and we haven't seen it come about yet. Maybe it's that we want a better job. We want a husband or a wife. Perhaps we're praying that we have children, just like Elizabeth and Zachariah were. Or perhaps it's that we'd like pain and suffering to be gone, or there's someone that we know that has a sickness or a disease, and we want them to be healed. And the list, we, we could just keep going with the list. It could never end. So there's all these things that we have and, you know, I think of even in my own life, you know, I was, what, was like four or five years ago? I can't, I'm, my wife's not here, so I can't ask her, but she always like, no, it was more than that. But, um, you know, there's, there's different things. You know, I was struck by a car when I was riding my bike, and so now I have constant pain. I'm on a lot of medication, and I have nerve pain and, and different problems with my spine and, um, so I'm in a lot of pain. So there's been many people who have prayed for me and people that continue to pray for me and pray for God, God, take the pain away. 
heal his body. And it still hasn't happened. But just like, you know, I think there is times that just like Zachariah and Elizabeth, that I know I have begun to give up on that prayer. And just not prayed anymore because the pain's still there. And I think for, for all of us, for your story, I think there's something that, that you have been praying for that you want to see God do, but just like Zachariah and Elizabeth possibly had given up on their prayer for a child, you have given up praying and asking God to give you what you desire. And maybe we've even begun to doubt that God is even concerned about that issue anymore. That he's, or that He's even concerned. Is He really concerned about me? Because you know, it's just been so long and we're wrestling through it. And we don't understand why God hasn't answered. So first, we need to understand that God always loves and His care never stops. Even if we've begun to doubt the love and care that He has for us, it's still there. And we need to see that God's answer to prayer can come in surprising ways after a long period of time. With Elizabeth and Zechariah, you know, we, we aren't told their exact age, but they, they're old. They're beyond the, the, the time of having children. And, and now all of a sudden, God is giving them a child. And how did the child even come? Well, an angel came and told them that, that they're going to have a child. I don't think that Zachariah and Elizabeth would have been like, you know, as a married couple sitting there, well, I think an angel is going to come and tell us that we're going to have a child. So it's amazing. This is an amazing thing that, that's happening. And God, this is how God works. You know, I, I think again of my story and of coming to Calgary and being here and, and for the first what, four years, basically, I couldn't work. Part of that was because I, I, you know, immigration and getting all the paperwork in and having to wait through that. And then there was, you know, all my, my medical stuff that I was dealing with and, and trying to get under control. But God brought us to Urban Grace. We began to serve. And I struggled through I was really frustrated like, God, I need to work. I need to do something. This is driving me nuts. And then, after being here for about three and a half years, you know, now I'm a, I'm a paid pastor here. And so God, God continues to work. And He always is working. And so we need to understand that. That God is always working. He is always caring for us. But it comes in ways that we don't understand. Because I, I would have never thought that I would be in Calgary working at a church in, in Calgary because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from the United States and that's where I thought I would live all my life. But God brought me up here and I, I, I believe He brought me up here for this purpose. But He, he worked it in a, in a very interesting and intricate way. And so, 
we need to understand that God will do what He promises in His own way and when He sovereignly chooses to act. And I think like Zechariah, how he was mute, I think that sometimes we do face trials so that we can learn to trust God more. You know, again, with my own story, I think that this, uh, you know, having this chronic pain issue has caused me to trust God more. Because now I have to trust that, that He's in control and that He knows what He's doing. And that He can take care of me despite the pain. And I think that like the muteness that Zechariah had and it caused him to have to sit and listen and watch and wait for what God is going to do, I think that many times we need to be quiet. And we need to listen to what God is saying to us. And stop worrying about the circumstances that are around us. Because that's what we do most of the time, is that we turn to our circumstances, and that's exactly what Zechariah did. He looked at the circumstances of, I'm old, my wife is old, how in the world can we have a child? Instead of looking at what God can do. Because he knew all of the stories of how God had constantly fulfilled His promises in Israel and throughout the, their history, He was constantly at work. But yet, He still doubted. And I think when we face doubt in our own lives and we doubt the promises that God has for us, we don't necessarily kill the promises, but we kill our ability to enjoy the promise. Because if you think about it, Zechariah would, would have been excited. Hey, I'm going to have a child. And guess what this child is going to do? He's going to issue in the Messiah. But oh, guess what? You're mute. So you can't tell anybody. So he couldn't, in, he couldn't enjoy that and enjoy it with other people. So we have to see that you know, he was killing that time of when God can use this to, to bring joy to the world. And so we have to understand that God is always going to answer our prayers. He's always going to do what He promises. And that it might not come in the way we expect it to come. Or in the time that we expect it to come in. But that it is part of His nature to be a faithful God. So if God is working His plan in people, in and through people, what, what is God's deal with history? How is He working and moving in history? And at the point in, in the story when God appears to the people, it is again, it's this point of 400 years of silence. So there has been nobody Nobody's saying anything. The people are like, where, where is God? What is He doing? And it's at that point in time that God decides that I'm going to re-engage with these people. And He also uses Zechariah, a priest who is going. He's, he's at his pinnacle of his career. It's this one-time deal in his life to, to offer this sacrifice. And now God comes and speaks to him and tells him that, yes, by the way, I am going to send a son to you. 
this son is going to be the one that goes before the one who will take away the sins of the world. And so it came during a time that was very appropriate because it was a time of worship, because the people were outside worshiping. They were in prayer and worshiping, and they understood and recognized their need for the cleansing of sin. Because that's what time that that's what this was. It was an offering for Jesus or God, forgive us of our sins. And so Israelite underst- the Israelites understood that they were chosen by God to model to others God's grace to the world. So they understood that. And as the original audience would have heard Luke's story, they would have understood that God is beginning to renew His work with the people. And they would also be understanding that this is issuing in that new era of God acting in an active way. The 400 years of silence is ending. The prophet has come. This is John the Baptist and he is going to tell us what to do. And, and he's telling us that Jesus is going to come and Jesus is going to be working amongst the people. So God is, is re-engaging and, and being active in and amongst humanity. So we see that God has a plan in history and He is working it out. Malachi had promised a prophet would come to announce the coming of the Messiah and God provided John to Zechariah and Elizabeth for this very purpose. Everything that Gabriel brought to Zechariah was good news. He would have a son and this son would have a significant role in God's plan for redemption. You see, John was to call the people to repentance so that they would be prepared for the One who would fill their redemption. This was good news. So Gabriel was essentially bringing the Gospel message to Zechariah and then ultimately to the world through John and then through Jesus. So we need to understand that if there is no Zechariah, there would be no John the Baptist. And if there was no John the Baptist, there would be no herald announcing the Messiah. If there was no herald of the coming Messiah, there would be no field Old Testament prophecy regarding the Messiah. And if there was no fulfilled Old Testament prophecy, then Jesus did not fulfill all things. And if Jesus did not fulfill all things, then He did not complete God's plan of redemption and then we must perish in our sins. So the proclaiming of the coming of John was indeed good news. If we do not understand the story of John, then it is hard for us to understand the story of Jesus. Because they're they're parallel stories. John has everything to do with the Christmas story because John is the one that God chooses to proclaim the coming of His Son to prepare the people for God to come in human flesh and 
to redeem the world. So that, that's the gospel message. That's what it is. And that's how John, John was ushering that in. He was reminding the people of who they were and where they needed to be. And so it's my hope that as, you know, it's Christmas time and we all know the Christmas story, and, but a lot of times I don't think we look at the whole Christmas story and see that John is connected with the whole story. This is the beginning of the story. This is where it all begins. It begins with John. It begins with the angel coming to Zechariah and telling him that there's going to be John. And then next story in here that Trev is going to speak about on Christmas Eve is Gabriel, the same angel, coming to Mary and telling her that you're going to have a baby. And his name shall be Jesus. And so it's all connected. And so I want us to understand that this is the entire story of Christmas. And that as we understand that story, we can understand that we can indeed trust God in a greater way because His love and care for us never ends. I call the band up as we close. Um, we're going to be taking uh, communion together. We call it the family meal. Um, and as we do that, as we think of this story as the Christmas story and, and how John is ushering in this new era of Jesus coming and redeeming the world, uh, and I, you know, the, cu- the, the cup represents Jesus' spilt blood for us. The bread represents His broken body. And that's exactly what John was telling the people is that you need to repent because you're sinners. And oh, by the way, one is coming after me who is going to give that ultimate sacrifice for you so that you can have the, re- the forgiveness of your sins. And so as you come, uh, be thinking of that. Be thinking that this is representation of Jesus' spilt blood for me. Jesus' broken body for me. Because I was a sinner. And I needed a Savior. And at this time of year, we remember that indeed Jesus did come and rescue us. 